fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 82, fourth season, I think it's still the fourth season, uh, you know, maybe the fifth season, who cares, it's the 82nd episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people of the Road Street Journal, uh, paving your way to fantasy glory and excellence, we're going to act as your lead blocker all season, but actually like a long time before the season, after the season, this is pretty much a 12 month a year gig, um, you know, and it'll heat up, it's going to intensify as the summer goes on, but we are paving your way, acting as your lead blocker. Uh, on your way to fantasy excellence, glory, and so on. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones, back for the first time in a couple weeks. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself, rocking a pretty nice RSJ shirt. I'm not wearing hey. mine. I'm not wearing mine because we're actually going on a vacation tomorrow, and I've put it aside as my traveling shirt. We're going to I'll be on a plane, and I'm Ooh. going to be wearing uh, my RSJ gear. Uh, you know, put it out there. You know, see, see who spots it. We'll be, we'll be. In, where, where are you headed? We're heading to Florida, taking the kids to uh, Universal Studios. Basically, oh, yeah. Universal nice. Studios, and we haven't taken a vacation in years. But pretty yeah. much, when you look at, uh, you know, what they have to offer, it basically checks off every single conceivable box for my two children, who are mm-hmm. eight and three, um, almost <laughs> nine and four. But basically, it checks off Harry Potter, which they're both obsessed with. The Simpsons, mm-hmm. which they're both, especially my older daughter, just think is the greatest, <laughs> and me, think are the greatest things in the world. Uh, Transformers, my son, uh, the, uh, the prospect that he's going to meet Optimus Prime is one of these things. It's a bucket list thing for him. He's not even four, <laughs> but it's a bucket list thing. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Jurassic Park, he's obsessed with dinosaurs. Minions, of course, like, you know, he loves Minions. So this is going to be pretty awesome. Haven't taken a trip in a long time. I will be wearing the Rose Street Journal shirt at least once on the trip, maybe twice. Uh, depending on the availability don't, of don't laundry services. It five straight days and they sleep in it, everything. It's good luck. It's unlikely anyone except my wife's going to see me while I'm asleep. Oh, but not impossible, I suppose. If someone mm-hmm. could pull like the fire alarm or something and, you know, there then you their like, local news cameras might be there. You'd like to see me rushing out uh, in my yeah. RSJ shirt. Um, anyway. You know that guy's a stud. He knows his fantasy stuff. Yeah, look you at, know? at least hey, they can give a little conversation journal, about your huh? news. Well, I should check that out. Anyway, that's what's going on. Um, I also wanted to share with you a little bit because we haven't talked in a while. So I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge gamer exactly, but I, I do enjoy video games. But I'm not one of these like I stay up all night playing video game type guys. Yeah. Anyway, there was a big sale on the uh, Nintendo Switch online store, uh, store recently, and huh. I, I didn't I didn't think I'd get anything. But NBA 2019, 2K19, as the kids are calling it nowadays, uh, <laughs> which is usually a sixty dollar game, was on sale for three dollars. Um, and so I immediately I, bought it and have started playing it and I'm really enjoying it, but I got to say, man, uh, I, it brings out just the absolute nastiest side of me. I mean, uh, that's why I, I had to drop video games. I mean, yeah. I get so fucking angry yeah. at myself, at these computer guys on the screen who I, I mean, it's, it's like fantasy, but worse because they're not even the real guys. I mean, you know how angry you get in fantasy when one of your guys yeah. drops a ball. One of my guys like makes a bad pass. It's like, I want to kill them. I know they're not I, real. I, I know. Even, I, I mean, it's just like, I've just noticed like the, the tension level rising like crazy for me. Lately. Like you could, 
pluck him from the screen and like put him into your apartment and he was a real human being, you would just do awful things. It just it it is I, I don't even know how to sum I mean, it sounds like you kind of understand. Oh, I get it, yeah. And um, some dude, I'm telling you, someday fantasy like esports is gonna be a real thing. I have no doubt about oh, it. So yeah, we're yeah. going to be we're going to be screaming at virtual computer players within the next ten years, I bet. I think that's true and hopefully we'll still yeah. all be together doing this and we can cover it and give the people what they want. <laughs> It just makes yeah. me really mad, and I mean, it's like makes me just really, really angry. Title, yeah. I'm even angry thinking about it right now, and and yet I still like pick up the mm-hmm. controller multiple times a day now that it's summer. I have a little bit extra time. I had to drop it, dude. I had to drop. You just stop playing I, video games. Yeah, I broke too many remotes. I just swear too much at the air. Like I, I, I was a worse human for video games. Was I it, had to was drop it Madden mostly. It was a lot of Madden. It was I, I was a big shooter guy too, Halo, Call of Duty, all that stuff. Yeah, but I played Doom I did, and yeah. like Wolfenstein I, and stuff, yeah. which are similar. Dude, oh, I remember Wolfenstein, dude. That was my fucking shit. I loved back Wolfenstein. In, like back in the day. Oh like, yeah, the computer, like the PC one. No, yeah. no, none of the. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, PC, the PC one, one was great. And I, I bought, a, I bought the new yeah. version of it. Like I don't know, a year, year and a half, two years ago. And yeah, it's pretty awesome, but it, it infuriated me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. yeah, dude. I used to love that shit. I'm, I was like StarCraft, like Blizzard games. Yeah, I was yeah, all yeah. That stuff. Okay. yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, I think I'm probably, and I mean, unfortunately, like my daughter's been seeing me like this, and I, I think she's seeing <laughs> parts of me that like she doesn't like. I'm using just terrible language. Their, their vocabulary has expanded a bit these last couple weeks. Well, I just like. I mean, I think she sees me as a generally good guy, and I think maybe yeah. maybe now she doesn't. So, Daddy, um, why did you say you want to cut that man's testicles off? It's a computer. It's like, God, shut up. You wouldn't understand. You don't and even it, know what those are. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, I digress. I just wanted to share that with you because I'm going down a pretty dark path right now. And uh, ho- hopefully this vacation <laughs> – well, yeah. I mean, it's going to be like a three- or four-day break when I'm on vacation. So hopefully I'll get it out of my system. Um, <laughs> this this pod I'm actually pretty excited about. This is – we had our first – uh, mock draft. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, between the RSJ staff, our expert mock mm. draft, if you will. And, uh, you know, you've been nice enough to put out seven lessons and takeaways. I actually feel like it might be more than seven. It might be. I, I think it's, I, I I think it's like nine. I feel like it was like nine or ten, maybe. Nine. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, we had, we had 12 teams. We, we made picks. This was like, I don't know, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks and change, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. And uh, it was great. You know, we had, we had some of the usual suspects, uh, Yumi, Jimmy, CJ, Keegs. Um, you know, unfortunately, Seamus not in the draft, which is disappointing to me. I like having Seamus yeah. in the draft. I like seeing Rodgers go off the board early. But anyway, uh, we're going to review those. Uh, we're going to just start kind of with your takeaways, you know, which you've laid out pretty nicely. I'm going to jump in and comment when I have a chance, when I have a strong opinion, um, and maybe rattle off a couple of the teams that you like the best as well. Because I actually thought the way you broke this down as far as like lessons learned from this was actually pretty valuable. So those of you uh, tuned in right now thinking about fantasy in mid-June, I think this is going to be a real treat for you guys. Yeah, this is the time where they all, you know, it is starting to actually get thought about. We've been like recording into the air for so long. And we have our, our diehards who message me after every pod. You know, Scott Brooks, all you guys, Link Clegg. That yeah, we is see love you, Link. death. It's, it's the best. But now is the time where the, the, the general consensus might start getting involved again where the fantasy values are kind of set now with the draft already in place free agency coaching carousel it's all done we have a great guide coming out soon the first thing we're yep. gonna ever sell actually the offseason bible can't wait for you to get you get a picture of that it's gonna be unbelievable um so keep your your eyes peeled for that yeah but it's finally values are at least as set as they're gonna be till training camp and it made sense we got our draft in and rather than go pick by pick which we've done in the past and that's still a great pod and all we have all those picks online you want to go up to the, the site there's going to be you know 
know, show notes, ffbdpod.com slash 82. You can see pictures of this draft. See every pick in order. We did. I live streamed the draft so you can hear my live thoughts. That was actually after pretty every fun. Single, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. And we got like 100 comments. So we're talking about nobody paying attention in, in June. That was like the last week of May. And we got maybe a record comment. So I'm, it was a good sign of what's to come this summer, I yeah, hope, yeah. at least. People were paying uh, so attention. People are still active and alive. If you want to see, you know, every single pick, go to that. But this is just going to be those really big, like, you know, supply and demand and positional drop-offs and, you know, Todd Early, which is going to be episode the first thing we talk about, these huge storylines of, like, what this draft kind of opened my eyes to. Um, and it's always a great one. So hopefully this one's valuable to everybody else. I did, I did want to say, Nat, too, you mentioned Jimmy, CJ, some of the mainstays. Some of the boys were just up this last weekend. I know. Weekend. You guys had oh, a little shit. meeting. I was on the group text but was not in attendance because, you know, oh, I have a family. God. But uh, <laughs> one of these days we're going to have a catch net. You're going to come play catch with me, dad, and we can finally catch up and, you know, just throw the football, toss a little pigskin, father, son. You know, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Mike. I mean, honestly, I think if I ever do come, I'm going to probably have to bring the kids, which is yeah. fine. That's fine. They're cool. Yeah, no, you, you'd, like, you'd like the kids. kids. You've, you've met but the kids. But no, it was, it was, we're still, I mean, CJ and me were texting all day today. It's like still in recovery. I couldn't get anything done yesterday. Just one of those type of RSJ meetings, you know. I, I can't really divulge the details. I think a few new students have heard my podcast. No, maybe but, when we're off air, maybe you can film. Yeah, yeah, bit. you'll hear about it. I it do, was a great time, though. I mean, we missed you. It was a great time. Since the last time we, uh, you know, did one of these also, I mean, another thing that's putting football squarely in the forefront is, I mean, both hockey and basketball have ended. So, you know, know. this this is yeah. that. We had the Bru- yeah, the Bruins. I know you're a hockey guy. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Oh, that was fucking pitiful yeah that was awful anyway um i am really happy about the raptors winning but this is the time of year that i always dread Mm -hmm. i'm not a big hockey guy but i like when it's on i'm a huge basketball guy it's over it's too early in the baseball season to give a shit even if i really cared about baseball that much which i really which i really don't um you know i'm a tennis fan but this is the big drought between the french open and wimbledon there's nothing going on oh, at not all not that drought oh shit How well basically there's that? like there's like four times in the year that tennis is worth watching and we're not in one of them so i'm just yeah. basically the point i'm making is there's this just emptiness unless you're one of yeah. these guys that likes watching golf um in which case please turn off the podcast right now um <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to try to fill that void for you. We're going to try to fill that value hole for you. Yeah, huge value hole. Why not become a fantasy wolf during this void of sports anyways? Listen to us. Watch all our stuff. We got you. All right, here we go. Takeaway number one, the mystery of Todd Gurley's value. And this was the first thing that jumped out at anybody. (laughs) And one of the things that jumped out was that I, I feel like the first two picks in the draft were not your first two picks. I feel like the first two picks that you had on your big board actually went three, four. They weren't. You're I think right. I, I was I mean, four, and I think I got yeah, Alvin Kamara with the fourth pick, which I felt pretty my good number about. Two guy. Yeah. yeah, and then pretty, Zeke was number three, who's my was number three. one CJ guy. CJ was so. jizzing all over the place getting Zeke Granted. three, and I was pretty happy getting Kamara four. So anyway, that yeah. was a bit off script. Uh, heavy, heavy running backs in the first round. We're going to talk about that later. But the big mystery, Todd Gurley's value, you actually snagged Gurley early second round. Yeah. And you were pretty excited about it. I mean, if you hadn't taken him, I would have, but I wasn't picking for several picks after you. Um, mm-hmm. Man, talk about a guy that has consistently put up amazing numbers. Going to 15, I don't know. I mean, were you really smart or were you were you really stupid? Uh, sell me on why you were really smart. I mean, everybody, that was probably the most bashed pick. It happened at 15 overall. Yeah. I got destroyed for it. You I was did. like, you guys fucking kidding me? Because, I mean, I, one, forgot Gurley was even sitting out there, and I picked DeAndre Hopkins at, the, at 10 overall. I was like, all right, nice, safe wide receiver. And then I saw Gurley was 
So sitting there, I started slapping myself. I was like, fuck, I bet I missed Gurley at 10? Like, that's ridiculous. And then he comes all the way back around at 15, and I was like, am I missing something? What's going on here? And, and I mean, the common perception about Gurley these days has just murdered his fantasy value. This is a guy who, for back-to-back seasons, the first time in fantasy football history that a running back has gone back-to-back and led the position, led all skill positions in fantasy points with 342 points, 24 and a half per game last year. He led it with only 14 games played. That year before that he scored 350 has just gone back to back ridiculous stats and and now is falling to round two it's one of those situations where everything coming out about him has been bad and it's all warranted we're going to talk about the red flags as i get further down into this but that's one of those things where there's only bad stuff coming out that recency bias i need to remind you guys of how good this motherfucker has been for these last two years he's been a title winner for two straight seasons and everyone's acting like he's done he had a little arthritis in his knee so his career is over like let's get over that now i mean talk about consistency he was above 22 points in 12 of 14 games 22 not like 10 I'm not talking about double digits I'm talking about 22 fantasy points in 12 of 14 games he only has gone under double digit fantasy points twice in the last two years 27 of 29 games he's been above double digits he had over 30 points in half of those 14 games 7 of 14 he was above 30 so I mean just want to remind you of how good this guy was how many leagues he was winning people last season before again I I, we're going to get to these red flags a lot of this though came because of the TDs. He's been an absolute machine, scoring 21 and 19 TDs over his last two seasons, over one and a half per game nearly. Uh, So, I mean, the guy's been ridiculous, and I don't see that role necessarily changing. That's what's made him such an efficient monster in fantasy. Why would you take Gurley, one of the best battering rams and goal line backs, out at the stripe where this offense lives. So, I mean, that's the one thing I'm really clinging to is even if he's going to, I'm going to talk about the red flags. I keep saying that we're going to get to all those, but even when that's all said and done, I still think this guy's getting almost all of the goal line work and he's still going to be a great candidate for 15 plus touchdowns, which will keep him highly efficient. Now, of course, if everything was exactly the same, there's no way this guy that scored over 340 fantasy points in back-to-back seasons would be falling outside of the top three, Never mind, you know, the first round. So there are some red flags one is the knee i mentioned arthritis in the knee all these sketchy reports he fell behind the blubber ball fucking cj anderson for a stretch from last year like if Gurley's fully healthy would cj anderson's fat ass ever even be a, a person in the league no so yes that was a concern what happened last year we still don't even know you know he's been you know sean mcveigh's been so unforthcoming whatever the opposite word is about the details so we have no idea what the truth is uh, but still it's like, I mean, we knew he had knee concerns come college, the ACL surgery. Anyone that has ACL surgery or any type of surgery is going to be developing a little bit of arthritis in the knee. So it's not like this is a new development. We all knew this. His trainer came out and said we all knew he was going to have arthritis. He had an ACL surgery. That's the case for anybody that's going through this surgery. He said that five-year mark. So, yeah, maybe they're going to you know tone it down a little bit because of the knees. But I don't see this unless he starts missing training camp and he you know we see him on crutches again or, or something like that. I'm not overly concerned. I think he's had a full off season. He's had bigger knee surgeries. I think that's getting overblown. The second thing is the usage. Yes, they've hyped up. We're going to have a Batman Robin situation. There's got to be a, a 1B to his 1A. They go out and take Daryl Henderson, who's our draft day takeaway number two. So I'm going to save the talk on him. They go out and get Daryl Henderson. So I, yes, there's going to be a usage hit. I get this. They're already in uh, Rappaport coming out and said the days of him being the every down bell cow straight up are definitely over. Uh, it's, it's probably not going to be like that, which is why the Rams went up and got Henderson. So I get that. 343 touches two years ago, 350 
15 last year. That's a lot of work for this guy. Um, but because he's scoring over one point per touch, even let's say he takes 50 of those away, maybe even 70 of those away, and he gets hit to you know the 260, 270 range for Todd Gurley, that which would have been below Jordan Howard, Chris Carson, Peyton Barber territory last year. My so let's boy. say he falls your boy Peyton, we'll talk about yeah, I'm sure at some point. But let's say that's his measuring stick, like 260 Peyton Barber range of touches. If he still maintains that efficiency, which I do think is possible when he scores as many touchdowns as he does. And I don't touchdowns are fluky year to year. I get that, but not for a guy in this offense. I mean, they're fluky, but you're talking about an explosive offense and a guy that, you know, is going to get the carries, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like when it counts. So I I don't, I don't really consider, you know, carries inside the five, like for a, you know, team with tons of options and and a great back to be fluky somehow. I mean, that's like, you know, 47 yard bombs are more fluky. Exactly. So, I mean, let's say he maintains right around that point per touch. He's still topping. If he maintains what he had last year, right around 300 fantasy points, that still would have been the RB4 last year behind only Saquon C-Mac and and AK-47, Alvin Kamara. So he would have scored more than Zeke, even with 60 less touches at that efficiency rate. So, uh, I mean, yes, he's going to lighten the load. Yes, there's some knee concerns. But uh, to me, like... The only concern I am a little bit nervous about truly is the line. Yeah, he lost it. You know, the interior of the line, the, the left guard saffold, Jason Sullivan, two key interior pieces. But, you know, it's a zone blocking scheme. You can get an athletic guy in there and it's kind of just churn it out. We've seen it with Shanahan. So I'm not even that worried about that. So you boil all that down and all these red flags, they exist. But I think they're so overblown because we cling to when there's this negative perception. We need a reason to devalue someone because it's so easy to get hyped up. And this guy's going to explode. This guy's going to explode. You need your guy that you're going to say is going to suck. And he's everyone's bust candidate now. And I think it's making this guy that's been such a monster a tremendous value. And I think it's well worth the risk either way. There is risk, but I think it's well worth it. Do you want to know something that I've, I've speculated about on this? I mean, I agree. I hear what you're saying. We, we want to be able to, like, call someone out as the bust and everything like that. I feel like the there's been a little bit. There's gasoline on this fire for two reasons. One mm-hmm. is pretty obvious, which is the very public... Uh, way that he, you know, kind of fell on his face at the end of the year, and I don't, I don't mean like he he just didn't do well. Like they actively were not using him in like the most yeah. important game or games of the year. So Absolutely. extremely public, we saw that happen. Now, granted, that wouldn't actually affect his fantasy numbers in the season, but you know, everybody saw that. That's one yeah. thing, and that's you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. The second thing, and this this is weird because it's completely an apples and or- oranges argument, but I think it applies. I feel like people are gun shy with Gurley more so because of uh, seeing people get burned on Le'Veon Bell last year, um, which mm-hmm. was for a completely different reason. I don't think, you know, I mean, like the, the guy was pretty much as money as you can get, consistent as you can get in the Gurley category, in some ways, maybe even more. And, uh, you know, so people didn't think twice about taking this guy with a top two, top three, top four pick mm-hmm. last year. And then everybody got to see also very publicly all those people's seasons completely ruined. And so mm. I think that people, even though, I mean, that was different. It was free agency. This is injury, uh, you know, potential, like, platoon in the backfield. But I think that this is actually going to play a factor in, in people picking him or not picking him, as stupid as that is. I think that everybody wants to make sure they're getting something real with that pick. I mean, you get a number three uh, pick, a number four rounder, pick, right? five, six, seven. You want to make sure you're putting money in the bank with that. And everybody yeah. that took Le'Veon Bell last year thought they were, for sure. I certainly mm-hmm. did. I mean, I didn't take him, but I certainly didn't think he was a bad pick. I figured he'd be back after a week. 
nobody wants to be the guy who took somebody and got jack shit for him. And so I think yeah. that even though Gurley's value is clearly higher, where like you know the people in the RSJ draft had him going, um, I think that's that's what's playing into it. Like nobody wants to end up with nothing with a bag of magic beans, you know. Well, I mean, his ECR, you say that, but no, it's actually his ECR is lower than when I took him. Like he's going right around 17 by the experts. He's going at 15 and ADP right where I got him. So you're right. Like there's all Don't you these think that's things. why though? I think 100% the public display of how, you know, ineptitude he was used down the stretch. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. And I think there is some more, you know, you can't win your fantasy league in the first round, but you certainly can lose it if you sure. lose out on your, your main guy. There's that whole perception, which is very fair, too. So, yes, I, I think both of those things have certainly factored in. There's just so much recency bias. I think everyone's forgetting just how good of a player Todd Gurley is, how good he's been for two straight seasons. And I don't think all that much has changed. There's definitely a little more risk due to the knee. There's a little bit more usage concerns because they draft Henderson. They've already said they're going to lighten the load. Like I get both of those things, but when his individual talent is still as good as can be, when his surrounding talent is probably the best in the league in terms of explosive offense and points, and the, the scheme is just so running back centric, even if he's losing a couple more series a game, when he's in there, you know he's going to be getting tons of receptions, tons of carries. Everything just boils down to such a great fantasy value that everyone's erased that and only zoomed in on the negatives right now. And it's making somebody I, I think should be a top six or seven guy fall to round two, and I'm all about that value. All right, well, this takes us to takeaway number two, which is despite all the smoke you're blowing up Todd Gurley's ass, and most of which I think is warranted, by the way. Are you uh, yeah, Are you on my side? Because I think I'm in the minority. I, I would, most people want to hate him. I'm surprised to hear that. You have your finger much more on the pulse of kind of like the fantasy community in general at this they time of the him. year. I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's our business, but you're, you're like yeah. the, the leader of that charge for the yeah. RSJ. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that you're in the minority. Yes, I am in your camp. I mean, nice. unless, unless something else, I mean, I would have taken him with your pick. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have yeah. taken him. I would have taken him before your pick. And I got shit on for that. You saw it. Like, I did I, see it. Look at, I, look, I was tempted to jump in and give you shit too, just, just because to it was like mob <laughs> mentality and you looked weak and I just wanted to like, it's like when you see someone you hate on the ground, weak. the mob's attacking him and you just get in a couple kicks while he's down. I was yeah. tempted. I didn't do it, but I was tempted. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, let's go to takeaway number two. If you do risk it, I mean, and that's drafting Gurley anywhere, you have to handcuff him with Daryl Henderson at all costs. Absolutely. And that was one of the things, as soon as Henderson went off the board in round nine, you, you know that feeling. It's, it's a, an early you know, June mock draft or whatever, so it's not like it's a real league right now. But I just felt it in my stomach where you just see someone go and you're like, oh, my God, I forgot about him. And now my I was surprised goes. you didn't snag him sooner. I, I couldn't believe it. And I took Austin Hooper, who I love, like a tight end I think has a lot of upside yeah, in round on. eight. But <laughs> what the fuck am I thinking? Like You need to get Henderson two, three rounds maybe even before you're supposed to, which right now is around round nine i should have taken henderson round seven if you have that girly risk you must handcuff him and maybe even take the the uh, malcolm brown later on in the draft too but henderson's the one that i that was the one pick in the draft where i was like oh my god i'm gonna throw up i didn't get this guy and it's one because of the handcuff because i own Gurley, but two just the handcuff with benefits potential this guy is enormous i mean the reason we love Gurley, let's say he actually is hurt and this arthritis is going to carry on all that stuff i was just raving about the surrounding talent the coaching scheme the usage that 
helped Gurley go from a huge bust to then the number one player these back-to-back seasons. We saw his touchdowns triple. We saw him add 881 total yards of offense once McVay and a couple line additions and a couple receivers were added. I mean, all that created this goldmine situation. And if he is hurt, then Daryl Henderson is going to be going into the absolute perfect system for anybody, especially him. They played outside zone at Memphis where he played. His running back coach was interviewed uh, from Memphis and said, this is our blocking scheme. We used him exactly how he's going to be used um, here. And he said, I don't think there's a better fit than the the Rams for this guy who uh, Henderson averaged 8.9 yards per carry, uh, exploded for 1,909 yards and only 214 carries. That's the FBS record for pace. Uh, The most plays of 40 yards, 50, 12 uh, plays of 50 plus yards. I mean, this guy is explosive. They come, he's slashing. And unsurprisingly, you know, you watch him and Sneed made a comparison that I would have totally been on board with, which is this guy looks a lot like Alvin Kamara in the way he just fights through contact, slashes through defenses. It just, you know, maybe a smaller build, but plays a lot bigger than he actually is and smooth in the receiving game and just brings that Kamara like element. He banged the tables. Like we got to go get this guy or I'm going to regret it for years. Like we're going to feel it. We need to go get him. I'm not getting off of it. And so they trade up with the limited draft capital to go get this guy. So clearly they like him. He's a perfect fit for what they do. So even if Gurley doesn't get hurt, I think he's going to see a nice smattering of 12 to 15 touches, maybe get a Kamara like when he was a rookie style workload and he has that explosiveness do something with it and then if is hurt and these concerns are all coming to fruition then my god this guy could be a top four or five running back so for all that upside round seven eight nine and this guy is a must draft especially if you own Gurley. but even if not like i, I love daryl henderson and think you, you need to own this guy adam schefter just tweeted out or our boy actually field yates uh tweeted that sh- uh, from schefter's <laughs> podcast um i think mcveigh went on or somebody went on and schefter came out and said like after talking with mcveigh there was nobody they wanted more in this draft as an offensive weapon than Daryl Henderson. They love this kid. So it's like clearly when a mind like they values or yeah, Field Yates, baby. Field Yates doesn't <laughs> like to beat Shafter to the scoop. No, he does not. not competing. We learned when we, we talked to Fields. But, you know, he tweeted that out. And so if McVeigh loves this guy and values him that high, this offensive genius, he's getting compared to Kamara in a system that would be perfect for him. I mean, there's just so much to love, even if you don't own Gurley. And if you own Gurley, you better fucking take him. A uh, couple things. For, first of all, I just want to say that it warms my heart that you felt like you wanted to throw up and, and die when you didn't <laughs> take a guy uh, when you should have in a mid-June mock draft. So I, pathetic. I love, I love how much that is. It's not like I don't get it, but it's like, you know, in the uh, scheme of things, not, like not that, that terrible of a mistake to make. Um, it was but I mean, like I, think, I think it's, I can say without exaggeration, he's the most important handcuff in the game this year. Oh yeah, yeah, he's no right up there. Like, because even Jalen Samuels, it's like, oh, do you I think know he's a Jaylen much more Samuels important. or is it Benny Snell? Yeah, I think he's like, a much more important handcuff right now. Like, yeah. if you're gonna have one handcuff, he's the guy. And so, yeah. I get why you were sick about forgetting about him. I think it was just like <laughs> a mental mistake, like letting a ground ball go through your legs or something like that. And uh, you know, uh, if you're gonna make a mistake, better to make it in mid June in a mock draft. Absolutely. Um, even yeah. though I'm sure you lost a couple nights sleep over it. I did, so I don't want to have that actually happen when it counts. It's good to feel it now than to feel it in August. That's the worst. Number three, building a stable of horses, and of course by that we mean running backs, remains my number one. That's the Wolf's number one fantasy football draft strategy. I happen to share this uh, opinion with, mm-hmm. the, with the Wolf. I'm a big, big believer in this. Every now and then a draft goes down in a way where it's just, just how it falls and, and you just end up not with that. And it happened to me in one of the drafts last year. And you just, you just kind of like enter the season then yeah. just being like, man, I'm not going to win. 
Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to be fighting for a playoff spot, you know, if I'm, I know, if I'm lucky. But, I mean, sometimes you go into these things like this one. I know it's a mock draft, so I shouldn't get so excited. But, I mean, I got this stable, and I'm just like, if this was Let's real, I would just be wrecking people. Um, all right. My stable is uh, Alvin Kamara, Marlon mm. Mack, Chris mm. Carson, uh, Peyton Barber, and then Kareem Hunt. Uh, tucked away in the back Waiting pocket. In the, yeah, I mean, dude, that's, that's a stable. Pretty nasty stable. I mean, Peyton that's Barber, we stable. talked about how much usage we think he's going to get. I'm not a huge believer in him, but as my fourth option, I mean, if he could be a potential workhorse back, I'll take him. Man, Kamara, Mack, and Carson, though, uh, that, yeah. that is nasty to throw out there. And Kareem Hunt, who the hell knows with mm-hmm. that guy? Uh, you know, I don't endorse yep. his lifestyle, but don't tell me that guy in week 10 or something couldn't come back and just be a monster. Absolutely. No, you're hitting on all the points because you very well could be right from the start of the season rolling out three RB1s. If Carson picks up where he left off, he was like the RB6 over the last seven or so weeks when they started beating him. He's a beast and it's going to remain a run heavy offense. I get Rashad Penny's looking good, but Mike Davis and 146 touches is gone. And so plenty of that's going to fall back on Carson. He's going to be right back in that 250 carry place. Like, explosive offense with Russell Wilson at it. Yeah. And their, their offensive lines finally kind of getting their feet under them. So yeah, I love Carson as your third. And that's the whole point of this, of this strategy we call building a stable. We debuted it last year and almost everyone who followed it at least got to their semis, if not won their league. We had so many people say, you know, you kept telling me go all in on running backs. Yeah. I loaded up on four guys in the first five rounds, ended up with three that panned out. And when you have that option of just RB one in your, your top spot, RB one in your second spot, and then your flex is also, a, a three down workhorse it's the ultimate edge you can possibly get because right now there's this whole conception well now that there's more featured backs you got to go back to the receivers but you don't get the points that 20 plus touches that 20 plus fantasy points a week at the the receiver position they can get taken out by good cornerbacks they can disappear at any point whereas you just have that sturdiness of three big producers at running back running back running back it's the ultimate strategy <laughs> what's up big guy that you can possibly uh do do so i'm fully with you even if it's a little bit more saturated of a market for running backs i'm still taking three within my first five maximum six picks if i don't have three guys at the running back position within my first six i'm feeling like you said a little nervous a little uncomfortable going into my league um you know you look at those rb1s in the first round z car saquon c matt you got in Melvin Gordon, Lev, DJ. At top nine, I have to take one of those guys. We talked about our draft. Nine straight running backs, and I would none of them fell to me. I was at ten. So then you was look at a very RSJ draft. It was so RSJ. Uh, but then you got, you know, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams in round two. Derek Henry's also some, you know, round three, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. I need to get two of those three guys. In my first three rounds, I want two of those guys, uh, no matter what. And then by round six, I want my third. I want my flex. So I love what you did. My stable wasn't as safe. I have Gurley, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, you know, Latavius Murray, not as nearly as safe as yours. And I don't feel quite as good as, as I would have years. I have a high upside stable, but the, the ceiling, the, I mean, the floor of that stable, not very good. But, uh, you know, again, all in on that building a stable, even though there are more running backs, you're at a huge disadvantage. If you're the guy that's going against someone with three horses and you only have two, maybe even just one, you got to have that stable of horses. I'm all about it. And I just want to say as an aside, I mean, you know, there's pretty much no bigger DeAndre Hopkins fan than me. I love that guy. Um, 
Uh, you know, all in. And you, did you hear the report that he was like the most injured he's ever been and just still such, put up like 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns? He's like, yeah, I played through like three different like shoulder tears. He's or such shit. a bad bitch. He's, he's the best fucking dude and, in the world. And, yeah. and so, I mean, you know I'm a huge fan. I always try to yeah. own Hopkins, whatever league I'm in. With that said, Dalvin Cook, Damon Williams, uh, Marlon Mack, maybe even Nick Chubb. You you take one or more of those guys over Hopkins at ten. I don't think you're crazy. Ah, I couldn't I mean, do that. I mean, I'm, I'm, That's I'm like not. The, I'm the not saying I would. Me. I'm not definitely saying I would. I'm just saying like you got to nail one of those backs down. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you take Hopkins, and then you know, there's there's no guarantee those guys aren't then going to fly off the board before right. your next pick. And then you're exactly. fucked, man. Well, that's so, why when Gurley was sitting there, I was like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, I get yeah, Hawkins sure. and then Gurley round two. Like that that one-two punch my, at 10, like that was a unbelievable start. Sure. My, I mean, I'm going to, like I said, in my hometown league, I'm going to be starting with Hopkins and DJ as my first two. So that's, that's pretty I mean, sweet that's a good, start. good yeah. start, right. All right. Absolutely. So with that said, you want to build a stable of horses, of course. But takeaway number four, you got to get a wide receiver within the first three picks. You got to yeah. do it. Um, and I did. Absolutely. I got one with my third pick. Was not like the guy that I wanted more than anybody. But I mean, you know, he's good. He's, I got Amari Cooper with my third pick. Yeah, could I mean, be huge, right? Could be like, huge, I mean, right? I mean, I, I could get that, and everyone be like, "Man, I can't believe you got him." By him before, you know? I have like, been. I feel like this situation's a little bit different, and and I I feel okay about the pick. Um, yeah. Not great. I think I have a, a pretty good receiving core, but he's my top guy, and he's he's about as low of a top guy as, uh, as I'm comfortable with, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, and that's what my whole thing I'm going to say is why I need one within my first three picks. He's the tier actually below where I'm like actually comfortable. He's I close, guess though, right? He's close. If my he's knocking stable on the door. is as good as yours, yeah. If my stable looked like yours, then I guess I would be okay with Cooper being my top guy. I don't but love for it. me, yeah, for me, it's I, I really love the round two receivers. That's why I love getting a horse in the beginning. And then you're still looking at Mike Thomas, Antonio Brown, who could easily still lead the league in receiving. I get the downgrade to the Raiders. It's true. But he's going to get peppered with 100 he's Opposite Tyrell Williams, he's going to be mean, open all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nobody taking. Your point is even better that there's nobody there taking any type of volume from Antonio Brown. He's going to see 200 targets this year. And uh, you know, you're looking at Juju in round two as well. The departed Antonio Brown's target share is probably largely going to go to Juju as well. Becomes that number one de facto yeah, Mike he's Evans the at the end of round two. So there's there's a lot of guys. The, the last tier I would personally accept is that T. Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, AJ. Green. Uh, a lot of people will lump Cooper in that tier. See, Adam I like Thielen Cooper as much Stephon as Hilton, Diggs. probably. Really a lot do. of people put Diggs in that tier as well yeah. and Adam Thielen. But I'm nervous about the Vikings being very run-heavy sure. this year and those guys being a little more inconsistent. Cooper totally – I mean his pace last year was 1,311 TDs once he got to the Cowboys. And now he's had a full offseason to work with Dak with a more creative play caller. There's lots of reasons to like Cooper. I've just been so burned by him. No, yeah, I've, me too. We're in the same boat there. I mean I, I, I like him better than either of the Vikings guys. Uh, yeah. fantasy wise maybe I don't know yeah. talent wise but you know T.Y. is a tough call A.J. Green I think is kind of sneaky undervalued right now yeah right I mean Zach Taylor's offense it could be a, the next Ram 2.0 you never know him and Andy Dalton always Dalton sucks I get it but they've always had an unbreakable bond so sure. you're looking at Kind of targets coming to him, so that's where I kind of draw the line. I think there's a huge drop off, and I'm going to talk about how much I love it. That our next point, the wide receiver twos and threes yeah. and mid rounds. I, I think it's a huge deep pool, well, but I still like a, a clear alpha target hog. And you just you got to make sure you get one in those first three.
three rounds, in my opinion. So two running backs, one wide receiver within those first three rounds. If you go Kelsey, I get it. Like Kelsey's kind of like your elite wide receiver one. Uh, you love that Kelsey. Case, I, kinda, I, I do kind of love Kelsey this year. I mean, he, could, he already is a monster, such a huge edge at such a weak position. But to me, I often don't go him just because I need those two running backs and wide receivers. But if I do, you really got to go running back, receiver, tight end. You kind of have to spread that wealth because you need that ace target hog. And I think by mid-round three, they really drop off. All right. Whereas, here's point number five. Whereas you like the mid-round running back twos, you love, and that's in caps, maybe italics too in bold. I love the wide receiver twos and the wide receiver threes, right? Absolutely. Those middle rounds, even once I have my target hog, that's why I like to get one early. Then you kind of keep building that stable in rounds three, four. But when you hit round five and six, there's so many breakout potential wide receivers in here. You got Tyler Boyd, last year's wide receiver 15, falling around six nearly everywhere in a more creative scheme, better play calling this year. I love Boyd. You got Mike Williams with now Ty, uh, with your, your boy now in the, the Raiders there. You got Mike Williams with a huge target share potential in Sandy, uh, Los, <laughs> Los Angeles, not San San Diego with the Chargers huge body caught like 10 touchdowns last year and should see an even more expanded role Calvin Ridley runs so so many smooth routes and just really saw explosion and then disappearance but maybe he finds some consistency under Dirk Cutter who had the the highest passing yardage per game offense with the Bucks last year yeah Robbie Anderson he was the wide receiver three down the stretch there when him and Darnold finally got back on the field together they made absolute magic he won me three titles personally because I I started him it was unbelievable I'm gonna buy a Robbie Anderson jersey because this guy we he the origins of the cum cave as we call it we were all exploded to the ceiling and made those little fucking whatever those triangles on caves are that's Robbie Anderson I, I love him he goes in round six or seven yeah Alshon Jeffrey you got the, the air raid pieces uh, <laughs> Christian Kirk Larry Fitzgerald goes in like round 10 so I, mean, I got Larry so Fitzgerald many- my, yeah, my receiver really. core the is deep. Ass in the NFL. I mean, you got that sure. going for you too. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's Larry Fitzgerald like as a woman in a bar? Uh just 2019 like Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's like the he's like middle aged and just still really put together. Just gets and you're better. Like, man, I'll, like bet, I'll bet I'll bet she can go. And just so like composed and would never in a million years talk to me unless I'm on classy. my like, complete best because just too classy, too just like uh, you don't even know why they're there to be honest. They don't seem like they, they belong like anymore. They're, above it, they're just kind of. too good. Yeah, they're above. But you get with them in a second. If you, if you still, the yeah. Oh, if I could, I absolutely. It's like it's so much more alluring because of how just out of place they seem. Yeah, I, he's he's as good That's as it a gets. Great just keeps getting it. We're very much no on the same what? page. Yeah, yeah, I always love a good one of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, all to illustrate that there's just so many. Tyler Lockett with Doug Baldwin gone. I mean, there's just so many breakout potential wide receivers in those rounds five, six, seven, eight, and then we're we're gonna talk about penny stocks in a second. So to me, once you secure that number one, you can kind of ignore that wide receiver position for a couple rounds because there's just so much breakout potential, uh, and it's and it's kind of tough to sift through them all. Obviously, these guys I, I rank them and some some I like more, but there's there's so many great options that you can't really go wrong in those five, six, seven, eight receivers, in my opinion. All right, number six. Don't ignore the tight end edge available here. Either. You love edging to tight ends, don't you? Um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yes. <laughs> I love, love edging to a good tight end. Um, mm, let's see. Right uh, I mean, we, I, OJ Howard, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, who I also got, by the way, and who CJ was really pissed when I got Hunter Henry. Um, Evan Ingram. I don't know how I feel about Evan Ingram. But anyway, uh, don't ignore the tight end edge that is available here either. Thoughts? 
Yeah, so gaining that tight end edge is just so crucial when you can. And if you can get it instead of having to pay that premium of like a Travis Kelsey and using that opportunity cost at round one when you have those surefire running backs and receivers, you land the middle round guy that explodes. It's enormous. It's a draft game day changer. You had George Kittle last year, one of the fantasy MVPs of the season. And that was lately. But this year, I really think the middle rounds, there's plenty of guys who could take that vaunted next step. You mentioned OJ Howard, my favorite of the bunch, playing in Bruce Arians' vertical heavy offense. This guy led the league in tight end yards per reception, I think two straight years now. Uh, gets great separation, runs down the field. For his size, it's just unfair what this guy can do. Uh, you got Jared Cook going to the Saints, who we know Jimmy Graham's history there, and they've kind of been chasing that ever since, but they haven't had anybody of Graham's caliber. The guy led the league in tight end targets last year, dominated pretty much with the Raiders, and now he gets Drew Brees in an offense. Dan Campbell, their tight end coach, says we're using him a lot like Jimmy Graham. Sean Payton says he's fitting perfectly in OTAs. Hunter Henry, your guy, I mean, led the league in tight end touchdowns two seasons ago when he was healthy. One of my favorites of all time. So he could be that next Travis Kelsey. And maybe it's Ingram with Odell gone. His his splits with and without Odell, he averages so many more yards and about a half touchdown uh, more per game when Odell's out of the lineup. So just four guys that in that rounds, like six, five through, you know, seven range. If you can get one of them to pair with three running backs and three receivers through seven rounds, I think you've set yourself up very, very nicely in your draft. All right, number seven, reason why you can stock up at the skilled positions, quarterbacks as deep as it's ever been. And we've thought it was deep for a while. I mean, you and I are, and yeah. a lot of the guys at the RSJ are huge proponents of waiting on a quarterback. I personally waited for one like next to next to last pick or something. I got yeah. Roethlisberger in like the 11th round or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get a guy that brave in the 11th round and you're really doing something. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you got to wait on a QB. I, you know, if anyone listens to this podcast, they've heard us drive that point home about as much as anything. But you know, give give us your thirty second soundbite on why that is still true in twenty nineteen. I mean, the simple supply and demand. We talk about stock market principles. This is it at its core. There's a huge supply for a very low demand. It's a one position starter. So you only have 12 going out there every week. And you have about 20 guys at this point that I'm actually comfortable starting at the quarterback position. And look at the ones going beyond round 10. I got Drew Brees in round 10. I haven't owned Drew Brees in about seven years because he usually goes around four or five. He's been a, a dominant force in this league. I got him in round 10. But you also got guys like Jared Goff, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, Big Ben, Carson Wentz, Kyler Murray, all going after rounds 11 and 12. Any one of those guys, I'd be okay with my starter. So you can't, when you have that high of a supply for that low of a demand, take that opportunity cost of loading up at those skill positions, as we've been saying, getting those three running backs, three receivers, and a tight end by round seven. You can't do that if you take Aaron Rodgers in round four. Huge opportunity cost, and we know how big the drop-off is from round you know two, three running backs to round nine or ten, where you barely ever hit the position. Uh, you got to take those early round chances at the higher up, uh, the higher floor, higher ceiling running back and receiver targets because you're just throwing you know just shit at a wall and seeing what sticks at the end of the draft at every position outside of quarterback quarterback you can hit every single time late in drafts take two or three of them late you know one's going to pan out Mahomes was our guy last year and look how that worked out so you got to just wait at quarterback and for the record my guy is going to be Kyler Murray this year he's going to be this year's Mahomes calling it now no chance anyway uh, <laughs> number eight Tyreek Hill what the fuck do we do um Man, I, I I feel weird about Tyreek Hill because I, I feel like I was about as high on Tyreek Hill as anybody 
Uh, oh yeah, call, you were. Last I mean, year. I called called him as being one of the absolute top guys, higher than a lot of guys. Odell Beckham. ODB. We got in a debate about that, and everyone called you a moron. Yeah, people and, called me a moron. Know? Who's the moron now, bitches? Mm-hmm. Not oh, this yeah. guy. Uh, I'll give at you least that not truth. about that. Anyway, the, but now you kind of feel dirty being being in on the yeah. ground floor. You know <laughs> what I mean? So now it's kind of yeah. like, well, I didn't like him that much. Uh, right. Anyway, what the hell are we supposed to do about him? Someone took a flyer on him late in our draft. Yeah, he went in round nine, and that's when I was like, I, I removed him from my big board and missed all Drew Brees. And I just kind of, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the other people going around him, we had Sterling Shepard, Trey Burton was in that round, Jarek McKinnon, Dante Moncrief. I mean, that's the caliber talent in round nine, and by caliber talent, I mean very low. And you get the shot of a Tyree kill at this point, then you might as well take it. Because, I mean, and this was before the latest news broke, but nowadays they're saying, barring any further developments, there's every reason to believe Tyree Kill will be back with the Chiefs for training camp. It's not an active act of investigation anymore. Uh, if they receive additional evidence, we'll reevaluate. But they've closed the book even after hearing that disturbing audio conversation. So you got to yeah. think, even if he's handed down a punishment, it might not be a full year ban, which is why you're avoiding him in the first place. If you even get half a season of this guy in round nine that's last year's number one fantasy receiver coming in at a time fresh you know faster than the rest of the league already but now he's fresher and healthier than the rest of the league with a great quarterback who's got another year under his belt playing opposite travis kelsey yeah you don't have to sell me on basically if you can sleep at night you should take a stab at this guy you might as well. And I think at this point, it's going to we're going to see it really kind of rapidly rising as we get you know less and less chance he's going to see a year long ban. But it's one of those things where there's a buying window, I guess, even still right now in best ball leagues. And if you were playing best ball earlier and you drafted Tyreek Hill, congratulations, you might have got him around like 15. But at, at this point, if it's still a low buying window, you get it before it slams shut, because as much as I hate the guy, as much as he's a scumbag and you don't want to root for him, he's as explosive as they come. He can win you a fantasy week in the blink of an eye. At round nine again, Trey Burton went before <laughs> Tyree Kill in our draft, and I w- and I wasn't even th- I didn't take Trey Burton. Don't get me wrong, but still, it's like damn. I, you I know took what? Dante Maybe Moncrief, which I think yeah, was actually a great pick for round nine. Great, but I mean, like pick. upside of Tyree Kill doesn't that. even compare. You know, doesn't even because we know what Tyree Kill is. Like we he's know amazing. He's, he's, he's going to dominate if he's out there. I mean, he's at worst like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. There's and there's never that known of a thing in round nine, other than some quarterbacks, I guess. But you're never getting a known product in round nine unless there's some warts and clearly the warts are huge here but the upside is is i'd argue you don't even get that in like round five i mean this you know anyway yeah we agree Um, point number nine this is our last one penny stocks in 2019 wide receivers much more deep than any other position you're correct i would argue that that's probably true most years that your your penny stocks uh you know largely wide receivers you're not going to grab quarterbacks with penny stocks really maybe the occasional tight end Running backs, you could get lucky, uh, maybe with a handcuff, something like that. But wide receivers, to me, is the the bulk of the penny stock market. Yeah, and especially this year, more so than any other, you got you, you mentioned Dante Moncrief going into a situation in Pittsburgh where he could easily be the number two receiver besides Juju yeah. in a very open and sexy aerial pie over the the course of the last few years. So he, a, a massive athletic freak could see some serious volume. Didi Westbrook dominate out of the slot, and then John DeFilippo comes, a guy that's used slot receivers to the fullest between Thielen and Aguilar these last two years. I think Westbrook could be in for a career year. Kiki Cutie getting a lot of hype these days. 
days. But what's really made this penny stock pool uh, even deeper than ever is the rookie wide receivers are falling so late. I got DK Metcalf, who could be the number one receiver in Seattle if those routes kind of tune up a little bit. I got him in round 11. He's already impressing and getting praise from Russell Wilson for just his work ethic and his ability to go and dominate at the jump point. Uh, I got Emmanuel Sanders, last year's wide receiver 10, in round like 12 this year uh, until he got hurt. Mark, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling was there in the last round. The MBS. MVS blazes a 4-3-1 at 6-3 and it gets a second year of chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Reports are he's playing faster than ever. You got that. I mean, there's just so many. And then we talk again, I said rookies, Paris Campbell. I, I remember CJ took him. I was like, oh, damn. Then McCole Harmon went the next round. I was like, oh, shit. Like all these rookie receivers with so much upside. There's not really that transition. It used to be you had to wait till year three for a receiver to break out. But they're crafting offenses that are so receiver friendly in terms of you know racking up yak and things like that. That, that I'm all about this wide receiver penny stock class. And that's why, again, you got to get those running backs early when you got the, the security there. Because I think a lot of these guys are going to pan out at receiver. I don't see nearly as much upside or anything enticing about this late round running back crew. All right. That's our last takeaway. We actually we were going to talk about biggest reaches or least favorite picks. Uh, we're experiencing some technical difficulty. I think we're going to maybe have to address that next pod just because yeah. I don't. And it seems like as good a chance to break as we're going to get, given what we're dealing with uh, yeah. in our pre-studio RSJ era. Um, but yes. it's nice to get back on the horse, Wolf. That was great. Absolutely. No, I appreciate us getting fighting through that technical struggles. And, and yeah, I think it's I love I love just talking about the drafts. And I know it's fun. Because when you get it's you got to do it right after your first one, too, because it's still fresh. I mean, by this time in a month and a half, I'll probably have done maybe a thousand mock drafts. Like, let's be real here. And, and my opinions start to get tainted. So I love just writing down my lessons and take is now remind myself in the future. Absolutely. All right. You got any social media you want to pump up? <laughs> we got to get this one done. Huh? Well, I it's, mean, uh, you were breaking up during that last uh, comment. Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Someday, hey, you want to fund the Roto Street Journal studio, you can find me on Venmo. But otherwise, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter, Roto Street Journal on Instagram, and uh, Facebook is our, our main pages, Roto ST Journal on Twitter as well. Of course, is the Fantasy Full Bag Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles. And now that it's summer vacation in two more days, we're going to be having a whole hell of a lot more content coming out. So make sure you're, you bookmark rotostreetjournal.com, ffbdpod.com, and we're going to get you that title in 2019 baby all right my name's not truth jones and i'm the wolf see you guys we used to have it all but now's our curtain call so hold for the applause oh, 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 oh. and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow oh it's our time to go but at least we stole the show We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.